quick like, let's go to Mark 11, Mark chapter 11, and we'll just introduce um, what we're going to be talking about. This is part two, by the way. If you weren't here for part one, you can access um, this message uh, online, hccnow.org. It's on Facebook, Heritage Christian Center. Uh, Also, my Facebook's on Vimeo's, lots of different ways. Podcast, you can listen to it, watch it. So, would just encourage you uh, to get part one of this. We'll do a little bit of review. But the title of the message is Faith Will Flourish in a Merciful Heart. Faith Will Flourish in a Merciful Heart. We spent some time teaching under the heading Faith Will Flourish in an Understanding Heart. Now, Faith Will Flourish in a merciful heart. Now, I may talk about this a little more as we get into the message tonight, but I sat down to build a series of sermons using the title, Faith Will Flourish in a Forgiving Heart. Faith Will Flourish in a Forgiving Heart. But the Holy Spirit prompted me to to widen the scope You understand if you narrow the scope, you narrow the focus, okay? So we could narrow the focus and only talk about forgiveness. If we're going to expand the focus, we need to include mercy. So it's not just that faith will flourish in a forgiving heart. It will, don't misunderstand me, but forgiveness and forgiving other people is a subset of mercy. It's an extension of mercy. It's an expression of mercy. And so by, by broadening, by, by, by widening the scope, I felt led to change the title. Faith will flourish in a merciful heart. So a merciful heart would include a forgiving heart. It would also include a non-critical or non-judgmental heart a non-critical, and a non-judgmental heart. So, Mark chapter 11, verse 22 through 26. The verses before this and then the conclusion that we find in these verses, I've often referred to as the greatest faith lesson ever taught. And certainly Jesus taught us a lot about faith and in my humble opinion. I believe this is the greatest lesson he ever taught us on faith. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. Verse 22, have faith in God. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed, be cast into the sea and does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done. He will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, um, believe that you receive them and you will have them. And whenever you stand praying, If you have anything against anyone, forgive him that your Father in heaven may also forgive you your trespasses. But if you do not forgive, neither will your Father in heaven forgive your trespasses. So right in here alongside this greatest lesson on faith and prayer and speaking to mountains and what faith in your heart can actually accomplish in this natural created realm we see, and we see this pattern over and over again, where Jesus then included instructions about forgiving. 
forgiving. Faith will not work in a heart filled with unforgiveness. We have to get the unforgiveness out in order for the faith that we have all been given by God, the measure of faith, to function in our lives. Let's go now to Matthew, the sixth chapter. Matthew chapter 6, and begin at verse number 9. This will be a familiar passage for you, uh, for most of you, if not all of you. In this manner, therefore, pray, Our Father in heaven, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. For yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their trespasses, neither will your Father forgive your trespasses. Now, this particular teaching and instructions of Jesus about forgiving others so that Father can forgive you is something that, how do I say this? Either we're not hearing it enough or we don't understand it enough or we think that it means something other than what it, it's clearly stating. And, and this is some very important and some very serious instructions that Jesus is giving us here. Let, let me get ahead of myself, then we'll come back and fill some things in. What Jesus taught us about merciful, uh, having a merciful heart, showing mercy to others, forgiving others, not condemning others, not judging others, what we see in those related areas and categories can basically be summed up like this, okay? God will deal with you in the same way you deal with other people. Now, there's a, there's a lot of reasons why God has it that way. First of all, He's God, and however He sets it up is how it is. And it's not for us to question, it's for us to understand and function in light of that. But if you think about it, that's, that's really the only way it can be quote-unquote fair from God's perspective. That's fair. However you deal with other people is how He will deal with you. Okay? All right. Now, this word forgive, we talked about this last week, Forgive means to let go from one's self. To let go from one's self. And in this passage, we see forgiving our debts as we forgive our debtors. In other words, he forgives our debt as we forgive those who are indebted to us. So there is a connection here between forgiveness and indebtedness. Let's talk about that for a moment. Luke chapter 11 and verse 4. Luke chapter 11 and verse 4. Listen to how it reads here. 
and forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who is indebted to us, and do not lead us into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. So, simply put, whenever we are wronged by another person, that person becomes indebted to us to make it right. Whenever we wrong another person, we become indebted to that person to make it right. And whenever we wrong God, we become indebted to God to make it right. So forgiveness then would be the letting go from oneself of that debt, of that indebtedness. So do you see how the, the, the words are used here? I don't want to try to go back and read every one of those passages again. Um, let me just hit some of the, the, the high points. If you forgive men their trespasses, your heavenly Father will forgive you. Um, the one that's on the screen right now, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who not just has sinned against us. Obviously, the reason they are indebted to us is because they have sinned against us. But he chose to word it this way so that we could understand that the sin that has been committed against us, the wrong that has been done to us, has created an indebtedness. Now, this person owes us to make it right. Okay? So to forgive is to let go from oneself that debt. It's, it's to say, look, you don't owe us anymore. So do you see why in the Lord's model prayer, he says, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. So maybe this will help you understand, but if you refuse to forgive... Refusing to forgive means you're holding on to the debt until it's paid. Now, let, let's talk about this for a moment. And I, I know that this can be potentially sensitive for some people. But most of the debts we owe and are owed cannot be measured in dollars. Last uh, Wednesday, our, our brother asked about a dollar amount. And I, I, he, if you don't know our brother, then you don't know. He's not going to try to wring somebody's neck and get that money from them. He forgave them that debt a long time ago. Okay. But he brought up a debt that could be measured in dollars. Those are the easy ones. What about through someone's sin or negligence or wrong actions, they actually took someone's life from you that you loved and was precious? A, a, a drunk driver, uh, you know, Again, I'm, I'm not, this is sensitive stuff here, and I, I'm not trying to, uh, you know, stir anybody up too hard emotionally. But those those are debts; they can't be paid. Again, most of the debts we owe, and most of the debts that we are owed, cannot be measured in dollars.
Now, let's go. Maybe I need to talk more about that. Maybe I need to move on. Does this, does this mean that there's no way forward then from a debt like this? No, there's a way forward. It's, it's called forgiving that debt. Whether you have incurred that indebtedness to another person or whether you're owed a debt like that. You know, there's, there's a song talking about what Jesus did for us. We owed a debt we couldn't pay. He paid a debt he didn't owe so that we could become the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I think, I think sometimes when we come to this subject of forgiveness, we come to it with the wrong attitude, the wrong perspective. It's that have-to-do, get-to-do side of things. I think far too many in the body of Christ view it as something they have to do instead of something that we get to do. But the beautiful thing about our ability to forgive is that our ability to forgive is how we're able to separate ourselves from things that otherwise drag us down and weigh us down and are a constant uh, drain and, and, and just the, the emotional energy, the mental energy, the spiritual energy that these kinds of, of debts and holding on to these kinds of debts and these people have wronged me and, and, and they're going to pay... See, our ability to forgive someone who has wronged us is one of the most beautiful gifts. To, to forgive and to be forgiven is one of the most beautiful gifts that our Heavenly Father has ever given to us. We can actually be free from things by, by forgiveness, by forgiving others and by receiving forgiveness. You can, I know this may be obvious, but... You can forgive a debt owed to you even if the person who owes you never asks for forgiveness or acknowledges they owe you. I'm being quiet on purpose for a minute. See, we, we can't control what other people say and do. You are going to be one miserable person if you live your life trying to control what other people say and do. You cannot control what other people say and do. That is not where your control, that is not where your power lies or is to be found. What do you control? You control how you respond to what other people say and do. That's where you can actually take control of things. That's where you can actually uh, you know, take authority and, and rule and reign in life, even if people have wronged you in ways that billions of dollars could not repay you. But you do not have to be the victim of that offense for the rest of your life. You actually have some power in this. The devil always tries to make us feel helpless when we're not helpless. He always makes us feel like we don't have anything to say or any con control and all, all of this because we're looking at it from the wrong perspective. We do have control in these situations. Our control lies in how we're going to respond and we can let these things go from ourselves by choosing to forgive. To make the point, let's say someone legitimately has wronged you and at least owes you an apology. Do you realize that you can let that debt go from yourself before they ask you for, to forgive them? You don't have to wait for them to ask. 
See, we, we well, if they ask me, I'll forgive them, but I don't forgive them until they ask. Now, see, yeah, you, they don't have to ask. You can forgive them and let go of that if they never ask, and you can forgive them and let go of it if they never even acknowledge that they wronged you. So what's revenge? Revenge is not only, you know, choosing not to forgive, refusing to forgive. Revenge is when we say, I'm going to make them pay. Right? They owe me and I'm going to make them pay. I'm going to make them pay for what they have done. He's going to pay for what he did to me. Again, i got a lot going on here. I'm getting a little ahead of myself, but let me just say in response to that right now, you're not qualified to do that. You're not qualified to do that. Now, we said last week in legal proceedings, the debt owed is called a judgment. So, one person hauls another person into court because they feel like they've been wronged and the other party owes them and they get some judge to say, yes, you're right, they owe you. They owe you $250 million. And they don't have $25 in the bank. So you've received a judgment against that person. You've actually had somebody... In, in a legal proceeding, you've actually had somebody who has authority to acknowledge that you've been wrong, and they've actually assigned a dollar amount to, to the indebtedness that this person now has to you. Again, what's, what is it called? It's called a judgment. I told you last week, I'm going to remind you again today, an offense is a trap. The devil doesn't play checkers, he plays chess. When someone offends you, if we take the offense, we then take the indebtedness that comes with it. We then even say, she owes me an apology, she owes me this. As long as we hold the other person in that debt, we remain in a place of judgment over them. So here's the point. Refusing to forgive forces you to remain in a place of judgment. Refusing to forgive forces you to remain in a place of judgment. Listen to me very carefully. This is exactly where the devil wants you to live. He wants you to live in a place of judgment. Not just in a place of not forgiving. It's, it's not just about the unforgiveness that's in our heart and the damage that that unforgiveness does to us internally. Ultimately, the devil is wanting the unforgiveness in your heart to force you to live in a position of judgment against and over another person. This is where the danger lies for you and me. I know perhaps we may have small children listening, okay? I want you to think about the, 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 the spectrum of judgment that comes out of people's mouth in terms of indebtedness. She owes me an apology. He owes me an apology. That would kind of be like the least amount that somebody owes. But see, here's the thing. People who think like that, they, he owes me an apology. He can apologize 15 times. 
four years later, he still, they still owe him some. So that, even if you give the apology for some folks, it's not gonna, it's, it, they're still going to hold that debt against you. They're not going to forgive you, even if you try to pay the debt by giving them an apology. Okay? Now, I, again, I'm, I'm going to be, be careful here, but the other end of that spectrum is, well, he can just go to hell. Right? In other words, the least amount that somebody owes you is they've wronged you and they owe you an apology. The other end of that spectrum is they can go burn forever with the devil and his angels because they've wronged me. You see that, right? And people notice, people throw that around, oh, you go to this, go, you know, H-E double hockey sticks, whatever, I won't say it again. Some of you finally heard something I've said tonight, so that's, no, I'm just kidding. Amen. But, that, but that's, that's what people are saying when they say that, out of anger and hatred and bitterness. With whatever condemnation you condemn another, you will be condemned with. See? So I mentioned this a moment ago. I set out to talk to you about a forgiving heart and the Lord wanted me to widen the focus. So before we go any further, let's, let, I just, I want to get something straight, all right? Something that is very important and that the devil is using to his advantage and he's using it to his advantage big time. Remember 2 Corinthians 2.11, ignorance of the devil's devices gives him an advantage over us. Tricking you into judging other people is one of the devil's most subtle and effective devices. Tricking you into judging other people, manipulating you into judging other people. The devil can't make you do anything, right? But he wants to try to deceive you into, trick you into, manipulate you into doing certain things. So this is where the rock and the hard place come in, right? Because there's a lot of folks listening to me right now who have been legitimately wronged by other people. You've been legitimately wronged, and I'm talking about wronged in ways that no amount of money could ever make it right to you. Could I comment on that too? I've got so many things firing off in my spirit. I don't mean to be just so fragmented tonight. But here, here is the thing that I've learned in my own heart and in my own life experience. If you will forgive, if you will allow the Lord to work through you, and if you'll let go of that debt, what no amount of money or person can make up to you, guess who can make it up to you? Guess who can make it right? Guess who can restore to you years of your life that have been lost? God can do that. See, we hold on to a debt some person owes us that they can never pay. And and in holding on to that debt, it's costing us what God wants to do in our lives because He can actually make it right for us if we'll let Him do it. So tricking you into judging other people is one of the devil's most subtle and effective devices, manipulating you into doing it. So the rock in the hard place is you've been legitimately wronged. And now it's like this person has wronged me and now I'm supposed to forgive them. It's the devil who's trying to put you in that position. Remember, scandalon, the offense. It's a trap that the devil sets for us. 
And he's warning us to take the bait. He's warning us to take the offense. He's warning us to harbor the unforgiveness in our heart. Because when we harbor the unforgiveness, it puts us in a position of judgment over that person. And when we put ourselves in a position of judging another person, it puts us in a position to be judged ourselves. Tricking you into judging other people is one of the devil's most subtle and effective devices. This is why Jesus told us, don't do it. Do not judge. Judge not. Do not judge, period. He didn't say, do not judge unless the person is obviously wrong. He didn't say, do not judge unless they're doing something that I've said in my word they shouldn't do. And if they're doing something I've said in my word they shouldn't do, then you just judge away. He didn't say that. This is where we, we get justified and, and think we're, we're okay to judge somebody else because what they're doing is clearly wrong. He didn't say, judge not unless the person is clearly wrong. He said, don't judge. It's, it's not your place. You're not qualified to do it. You, you, don't, you don't know what that person's been through. You don't know what, what's going on in, in, that, in that person's life. I'm, I'm saying this tongue-in-cheek. I mean, obviously, you know, this Wednesday night service is not our most highly attended service of the week. <laughs> and I'm sure not wanting to, uh, you know, wade off into a bunch of stuff that's going to like, well, well, we'll come back in December when he's on something else. But can I just talk to you for a minute? Okay. Who's the accuser of the brethren? Satan is the accuser of the brethren. Does the Bible say he just every now and then occasionally accuses us to God? No, he accuses us before the throne of God night and day. Do you have any idea how much effort and energy the devil puts into accusing you before Father God? Why? What what is up with him? Why is he carrying on like that it just seems so stupid so ridiculous so silly the answer is very simple are you ready he wants you to be judged the devil wants you judged he wants you punished for the mistakes that you make he wants you um to 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 be held accountable by god who is the, the righteous judge of all the earth. The Bible's very clear. He is a right judge, a righteous judge. He is a fair and honest judge. He does not look the other way at sin and unrighteousness. This is why Jesus paid the price that he paid for our sin, for my sin, for your sin. He was more undeserving of punishment than we were all collectively put together deserving of it. And this is how he was able to pay the debt of sin that we owed and, and tip the, the scales of justice with God in our favor again. But the devil wants you judged. And the Bible is very clear about it. That when we judge other people for some of the same things that that we do ourselves, that we are heaping up judgment for ourselves when the day of wrath finally comes. See, one of the reasons I think that, that there's such a problem in the body of Christ with judging other folks 
is that we think we do it and that, and that we're okay and that we're getting away with it. No, no, see, that's, that's not how it works. If you, if you read the Bible from the Old Testament all the way through to the New Testament. See, this is one of the things, and I know you guys don't always hear me talk like this, but, I, man, the Lord has just been stirring me up about this. So l- l- listen to me, please. I think a lot of folks in the New Testament have this mindset that because we're in the New Testament now, that somehow we're exempt from being judged for the things that, that we do, that, that somehow there's no consequences. Be not deceived. God is not mocked. Whatever a man sows, that he'll also reap. We're, we're not the exception to this. L- let me ask you another way. I got a lot of, this is Wednesday night crowd. These are the, these are the Bible students in the room. Do we find born again people in the, in the New Testament that were judged? <laughs> yes, we do. Yes, we do. If my dad was a, was a, was a judge in, in, in Jefferson County down here presiding over criminal trials, would he have one ounce of integrity if he looked the other way at some crime spree I went on? Would he be a just judge if he looked the other way because I'm his son? And so all of a sudden now there's, 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 no, there's no accountability. He's my son, so we'll just let him steal and rob and do whatever he wants to do because he's my son. And, but everybody else is... That's not our God. Are you hearing me? That's not our God. So are you seeing why it's almost as if Jesus, every opportunity, if, if, you, if you read these things, it's almost like it didn't even quite fit. I know that it did. I'm, I'm saying this as a man just to make the point. It's almost like it doesn't fit there, but Jesus just said it anyway. If you don't forgive other people, your Father won't forgive you. Whatever mercy you show to other people is the mercy that's going to be showed to you. Whatever judgment you show to other people is the judgment. He said that over and over again. And everywhere it's like he could stick it in. He was reminding us of this, reminding us of this, reminding us of this. You've got a devil who's accusing you, who wants you judged. He's a punk. He hates you. He's accusing you 24-7. Do not help him out by judging other people and putting yourself in a position to be judged. How, how, do we, how do we stay out of that place? By showing mercy. Right? By showing mercy. By showing mercy. Sometimes you have like in your mind how I, I see like a, a vision, envision how a sermon's going to go across and sometimes it don't always go off the way I think it's going to go. But that's okay. Are you still with me? You got two more minutes, five more minutes? So think of it this way. I want, we're going to, if we can connect these things together to the Holy Spirit satisfaction, then we'll, amen, then we'll, we'll move on for tonight, okay? Forgiving others is an expression of mercy. So remember what I said. I started out faithful, flourishing, and forgiving heart. The Lord said, no, that's not, that's not big enough. You need, to, you need to broaden your focus. Okay, what's, what's bigger than a forgiving heart? A merciful heart. Because forgiving someone else is an expression of mercy. If forgiving is an expression of mercy, then refusing to forgive is an expression of what? Judgment. If we refuse to give, if we refuse to forgive, then we're saying, I'm going to hold on to the debt that you owe me and see to it that you pay it. 
You cannot be merciful and unforgiving at the same time. To be merciful is to be forgiving. Mercy and forgiveness align with one another on one end of the spectrum. So let's just, let's just say this is the spectrum. Okay, over here you've got mercy and forgiveness. They go together. Okay. On this end of the spectrum, you've got judgment. The opposite of mercy is judgment. I love the passage in James. We'll get there at a later date. He says that, that mercy rejoices against judgment. It triumphs over it. Okay. How, 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 do we, how, do we, how do we keep from being judged? How do you win over being judged? By showing mercy. So over on this end of the spectrum, you've got judgment. But in the same way that mercy and forgiveness align on this end of the spectrum... Judgment and unforgiveness align on this end of the spectrum. All right, one last slide. You cannot forgive without being merciful, and you cannot refuse to give without being judgmental. Amen. Stand with me. Praise God. All right, so we'll jump in somewhere right here next week, but Matthew chapter 7 and verse 1, judge not that you be not judged. Judge not that you be not judged. Do not judge so that you won't be judged. If you don't want to be judged, if you don't want to be judged, then don't judge anybody else. For with what judgment you judge, you will be judged, and with the measure you use, it will be measured back to you. Why do you look at the speck in your brother's eye, but do not consider the plank in your own eye? What is the, what, he's showing us what he means by judging here. It's when you point out a flaw, a mistake, an issue, a problem in somebody else's life. He's not saying that they don't have a speck in their eye. He's not saying that there aren't problems this person needs to work on. He's just saying you shouldn't be pointing them out you shouldn't be the one that's examining them and passing judgment on this person because of it okay man this is so simple it's so fundamental it's so basic listen to me there are a few things there are a few things that that people are in a greater denial about in the body of christ today than their judging problem let me let me give you a really good rule of thumb to go by okay if you are saying something negative about another person, you're judging them. Right? If you're saying something negative about another person, you're judging them. Father, you're good to us. Thank you, Lord, that this sermon has a different feel and a different flavor, and I feel like, Lord, I've struggled a little bit in delivering what you had for me to deliver to these people. Lord, I'm not trying to come in here like a bull in a china shop, but Father, this is, this is so very, very important. Lord, show us, and we ask you, Holy Spirit, please show us how we've been deceived and tricked into judging other people without even really realizing it, Father. So many, so many of your people, Lord, they don't think they're judging folks when they actually are. 
And Lord, I thank you for helping us see these things and recognize these things. Father, especially, Lord, when it comes to judging our leadership, Lord, we see that that was such a, 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 Lord, such swift penalty and swift correction, Lord, came throughout your word, Old and New Testament, when people judged those that you put in leadership over them. And so, Father, I thank you that you're, you're helping us. Holy Spirit, you're helping us. As, as we become aware of this and as, as we make a commitment to you that we're going we're gonna to be merciful, we're going to show mercy, Father, that we're, gonna, we're going to not judge and condemn by having negative opinions and form negative opinions about other people. We can't afford to do that. We cannot afford to do that. At any point in in our lives in history, but Lord, especially as the stakes are rising in this world around us, and the devil, Lord, is 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 infiltrating and influencing so many things. Father, how important it is for us to be protected. How important it is, Father, for Your mercy to to be a, a wall around us. And so, Father, I thank You for helping us see these things and. Lord, again, this, this bunch on a, on a Wednesday evening, they're, they're students of your word. I pray, Father, that, that you would begin to show them and challenge them and speak to them from your word uh, about this subject as well. And, um, Lord, we thank you for just a, a, a great midweek service. And, and um, Father, together as, as, we, as we close, I'm going to ask you tonight, those of you who are watching, those that are with me, I want you to join your faith together with me for a moment for our brother James Jordan. He will live and not die and declare the wonderful works of God. He will live and not die and declare the wonderful works of God. Father, you know what our brother's dealing with. You know how COVID has attacked and, and, and ransacked so much uh, of his body. But Lord, I thank you that you are the healer. You are the creator of his body. And we, we agree together with him. In your word and you, and we call him whole and well and blessed. Strong again, Father. Breathing and breathing deeply again. In Jesus' name, amen and amen. Thank you again for being here tonight. Good things coming. Good things coming. We'll see you Sunday, if not before. Praise God.